Welcome to the Novice No Longer Podcast, episode 18. Hey everyone, this is Dan and you are listening to the Novice No Longer Podcast. My guest today is Dan Howley, the senior writer at Laptop Magazine, and he has some really interesting insights into the future of tech. And you're definitely going to want to stick around to hear that. And he has some really interesting things to say. But before I get into that, I kind of want to talk about this thing called entrepreneurship. And people have a lot of different definitions for what entrepreneurship is, but basically it just means being able to work for yourself and being your own boss. And I, I, it was always kind of something that was out of reach. Like growing up, I never really thought about entrepreneurship. I thought about going to school, getting education and getting a job. And I I don't know exactly when it was, but it was shortly after I graduated college and I was reading, just browsing online, reading different articles that I kind of discovered that there are people out there that are building businesses like from scratch and doing all this stuff that I was like, yeah, it does make sense that somebody builds all these businesses, but I never really thought of it that way. And so the very first thing I did at this stage, I was still a novice. And the very first thing that I did is I wanted to kind of surround myself with these people and see where they went and see what they did. So, of course, the very first thing I did living here in New York City is I went onto a website called meetup.com, which basically allows people to organize actual physical meetups, like meeting people in real life, three different topics. And so I went on that website and I searched for entrepreneur. And uh, lo and behold, there were a bunch of different groups. So apparently, I thought this is where people that are entrepreneurs go to hang out. So I signed up for one of them that worked with my schedule. It happened to be called, I think it was Under 30 CEO. And I remember I felt really out of place signing up for this because I was under 30 at the time, but I wasn't a CEO. I I didn't even have a business. I I was working full-time in retail then, and I I just kind of wanted to see what it was all about and go places where entrepreneurs hung out. So I remember it was in, it was actually in the Empire State Building and I felt so fancy like going in when I wasn't actually a tourist up to the observation deck. And I remember going up and being one of the first to arrive because I'm always terribly punctual and I'm, I'm always there before everybody, but I got there early and there were some people there and I, I got into the conversation with the first person and I asked him what he was working on. And I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was some website or app or business or something. And he, he asked me what I was doing. And at the time, I was kind of playing around with this idea of a social network for long form bloggers. And uh, I mean, I didn't have any of the details worked out really or anything, but I, I had this idea and I, I kind of pitched that idea and he was like, okay, interesting. And we, we talked for maybe like six or seven minutes and then we parted ways and I went and I talked to the next person. And that's just kind of how that night went. It was person after person after person. And it, it was really interesting. The thing that I noticed was by the end of the night, I, I had my pitch down. I, I was, I knew what to say. I knew how I wanted to describe my non-product and the, the weird thing is I actually met one person there who was in town from France who was intrigued by my idea. And he, he said, this is really interesting. I'm the CEO of this other company. I'm kind of looking for other stuff to get involved in. Let's talk about it. I might be able to fund the development of this. And I, I was really, really shocked at that. And uh, of course, I followed up with him and I met with him. And then that fizzled out because I had no idea what I was doing. But the thing that I learned was really going out there and surrounding yourself with knowledge and people that are talking about stuff is the best way to kind of break out of that novice stage. And I feel like I've, I've just come so far from those early stages of showing up at that awkward kind of under 30 CEO event and pitching an idea that didn't really exist. I've come so far. And the reason that I've done that is I've, I've surrounded myself with the articles, the, the things that entrepreneurs read. Uh, Hacker News is one of my sources. I, I'm in certain subreddits and just kind of just consuming the news and also this podcast, talking to successful entrepreneurs and finding out how everybody uh, has done their journey and really gotten to where they are. And that's really helped me out with my own uh, journey and my own projects. And that's really what I'm hoping to do with this podcast. Now, this episode today with Dan Howley is a little bit different. And I'll tell you why it's a little bit different. As I said before, we're just going to be talking about tech mostly. But the, the thing 
that you need to do in order to really come out on top with technology is not just have good ideas for what would be great in the like out in the world right now, but more what would be great in the future? What's coming in five years? What's going to be that paradigm shift technology that's really going to take off? And how can you take advantage of that? I wanted to bring on Dan today because he is immersed in the technology world for eight more than eight hours, like 10 hours a day, every single day. And those are the best people. Those are the people that you want to talk to when you're actually thinking about getting into a new industry or want to learn more about an industry. Find somebody who is knee deep, in that knowledge and that stuff all day and ask him questions. And I wanted to talk to him just so we can kind of see what's happening and kind of get you prepared because there's a lot of talk about wearables or what Amazon is doing with their smartphone that's going to be different and all these different kind of things that are coming out. And being on the cusp of that yourself is going to help you immensely. So if you think people talking about tech is really boring, you might want to skip this episode. But I will say that with like the wearable revolution or whatever else is going to happen, you're really going to wish that you were thinking about this stuff now because you're going to want to be thinking about it now in order to build the products then. All right. Phew. That's enough of an intro, but before we do that, I kind of want to talk about my sponsor, and this is another cool sponsor because it's actually not really a sponsor as much as it is, as it is a user experience conference that's in DC that I personally am going to be going to, and the reason I want to talk about them is because I want you to come with me. I'm doing a giveaway on my blog right now for one free ticket that's $800 for free to go to this user experience conference and go to all the workshops and learn a ton and I'm going to be there. And so yeah, if you go to novicenolonger.com, it's going to be the second post because the first post is going to be this podcast. So the second post on there, literally, you don't have to sign up for my email. You don't need to tweet it. You don't need to join Facebook. I just ask the one question is, why do you want to go? You fill that out, you send it, and I'm going to select one winner. Uh, by the time this comes out, it's Thursday. I'm going to be selecting a winner on Friday. So you literally have either Thursday or Friday. If you're listening to this later, I'm sorry. The contest is already over, but you can go to modev.com to kind of look at the conference and go to novicenolonger.com to win the ticket. It is in Washington, D.C., and it is later this month, which is May 2014. So if you can't make it, I'm sorry um, this time. But yeah, if you are interested, go to novicenolonger.com and check it out. And enough about that. I'm going to get right into the episode now. Here is Dan Howley with Laptop Magazine. everyone. This is Dan with Novice No Longer, and I have my friend Dan Howley, who is the senior writer over at Laptop Magazine here with me today. And we're going to talk about tech. Uh, so, hey, Dan, welcome to the show. How's it going, sir? How you doing? Doing well. And this is actually your second time on the show. Uh, you were here when I first launched the podcast, and you were actually the very first journalist that I had on. And that was a really fantastic episode if you guys want to go back and find it because Dan talked a lot about being uh, a tech journalist and uh, what it's like for them and also tips for like how to pitch tech journalists. So like if you have an app or you have a product, how you should be contacting journalists in order to get attention. Really good information. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different than that. I kind of want to just focus on the technology. And as I mentioned in the intro, I kind of want to do this just because I think it's important to uh, both be focused just on the immediate future, like, okay, what are your next step items in order to achieve your goals, but also big picture, like what is going on with technology? That way you're not totally focused on the here and now, but you've also got one ear, I guess, on the future and what's going on there so you can be the first to take advantage of it. So Dan's immersed in this all day, every day at Laptop Magazine. Um, I used to be. I still love technology and I follow it. And so I, I kind of want to just talk about the future. So Dan, to kick things off, let's start with just a very specific question. What is the future? Um, <laughs> uh, I will be president. No. Um, in, in, in terms of like what we're covering at, at Laptop right now, and um, I think a lot of it has to do with um, wearables. Uh, obviously, those are, you know, that's pretty much the key word right now is wearables. Um, there's different permutations of it, though. Uh, 
there's, you know, the, the fitness trackers like Fitbit and, uh, 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 jawbone and things along those lines. And then there's things like, you know, glass, um, that are, you know, more immersive, um, but try to give you, uh, according to Google, they try to give you their, uh, your, your digital world in a way that, uh, doesn't keep you from seeing the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so those, those, that's really the, what, where we're headed right now. You know, obviously, uh, you know, we're, we're, anticipating uh rather uh, apple to come out with their iwatch relatively soon um there's a supposedly a fitness bend on that so uh whereas samsung kind of has their gear too uh and gear uh to neo with a built-in uh blood pressure uh, or heart rate monitor um apple is supposedly working on something along those lines as well with uh uh, iOS 8 and this iWatch and their iPhone 6. So it looks like a, a lot of it is going towards the wearables. Um, I, I think they're still trying to figure out really where they want to go. Right now it's the health route because that seems to be the safest way um, because the way the market's grown in terms of uh, you know the fitness trackers along those lines. But there's this other end with you know Glass and um, uh, Vuzix, things like that um, that want to make it uh, so that you can get your, your technology without being sucked into your smartphone or something along those lines. So that, I think that's really um, the, the immediate future. Um, now, when you're talking about wearables, you mentioned products like the Fitbit or the, the possible Apple iWatch and all that kind of stuff. But well, I, I kind of want to define what a wearable is because you said something that was really interesting to me and and that was that it's technology that allows you to not look at your smartphone and i i think that that for me is probably one of the best definitions of wearables because a lot of times when you hear the word wearable you immediately think watch and and that isn't what a wearable is it's a piece of technology that you wear and it might not even mimic your smartphone it might not be able to do any of those features it might do something completely new and different just like we have technology all the time that isn't a computer, you know? And um, uh, when I say computer, it isn't like a laptop. Like the, when, it, when it becomes a tablet or it becomes a smartphone, it becomes a completely different thing. And I think that, that that's what we have to think about for wearable. So like when you say wearable, it, is it just encompassing those products? Or like where do you see the trends going with this? Well, um, <clears throat> I'm working on um – a piece about where we're gonna where wearables will eventually go, and I think right now um, the the basic thinking is we're we're gonna stick with uh, relying on a smartphone as as a form of uh, getting uh, you know uh, internet connectivity to these wearables. But the the idea behind them really is that you'll get your information without having to um, just constantly have your face you know your neck pointed down looking you know straight into your phone. And kind of uh, uh, missing the world around you, and that's something that Google is is really big on with Glass. And the reason why it's developed the way it was, with the little uh, lens in the top right corner um, that you can look up to uh, if you want, but you can still see the world around you. Um, in terms of you know beyond that, uh, there's obviously uh, uh, Google has there that contact lens uh, with um, the built-in technology. Um, but that's, that's to actually measure your glucose level. So it's good for diabetics. Um, so there's different, there's different like, um, levels of wearables where it's not just, you know, to give you information about your, um, you know, Facebook status or, or things like that, uh, or, or see how many steps you've taken. There's stuff like, uh, these, these, uh, legitimate health wearables, like the, the, the contact lenses that can tell you the glucose level. Um, there's also things uh, that are actual coats that have a Wi-Fi router in them. So they, they have an LTE connection built into the coat itself. Um, and that's considered a wearable as well. It's, it's basically, you know, uh, a movable hotspot. So there's, there's, there's these different levels. And I actually talked to someone recently, um, an analyst for my story, who said that there's three levels to the wearable market. There's the um, I'm paraphrasing basically, but there's the um, dependent, which are completely dependent on your smartphone for a connection, uh, so they can't exist beyond a smartphone. Uh, there's the, uh, I think, something uh, like slightly independent where they can exist, but they still need uh, a smartphone for a connection, and that would be something like uh, the uh, the Pebble smartwatch, um, 
where you can still do some stuff on the, the watch, but if you want to really get the full uh, accessibility of the, uh, or full capabilities of the watch, you need a connection. The, the stuff that's uh, uh, prior to that is something along the lines of, you know, the, the uh, Fitbit, where it's just a, a, a wearable, you can't really see anything. It does all its calculations um, internally, and then you check out your stats on the phone. And then there's the, um, the nearly independent uh, devices like Glass, which need uh, outside internet sources so they can run on Wi-Fi. But beyond that, once they have uh, a Wi-Fi connection, they can, you know, they can run your household Wi-Fi. Um, they can do all the calculations by themselves. They don't need a smartphone to, to do any kind of uh, computing or anything along those lines. It's all self-contained in the glass. Um, those are basically the three levels that they're looking at right now uh, that they want to build on. But um, it, it seems like getting to a place where we're going to be able to have wearables that are just among themselves um, completely free of any kind of, you know, uh, need for uh, a smartphone. Uh, they're, they're still really um, probably a few years away. I mean, Glass still needs to use a smartphone to load up apps to get them onto Glass. So there, there's, there's this kind of stalling point. But if you really look at the way these, these wearables have uh, evolved, uh, Glass has gone from, um, you know, this rickety kind of uh, uh, motherboard strapped to a, a wire frame um, to what we have now, which, you know, soon they're going to have Ray-Ban uh, glass because uh, they have that deal uh, with, with Ray-Ban and um, uh, I forgot what the other brand was, but uh, I think it was Luxottica that, that was the big, you know, uh, uh, general uh, brand that, that owns Ray-Ban and a bunch of other different fashion companies. But, you know, the, 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 the idea, though, is that, you know, in, in just a few short years, it's gone from this really, you know, kind of uh, homegrown thing to something that's actually being marketed now. So I, it's, it's going to be a few years until we get a wearable that's independent of itself um, that really is going to, you know, we're really going to think of, wow, this is actually a wearable computer. But it, it, it's, it's really coming along quickly. It'll be so interesting to see what the future holds because there's two people. There's two people uh, in the world, and the first type believes that Google Glass is like the future. It's a glimpse into the future. It's the the amazing technology that allows us to view our technology without being distracted. And then there's a, a whole boatload of people that view it as the segue, where you're like, yeah, it's a cool piece of technology, but I would never be caught dead anywhere near one. And then it, it, it's interesting because I definitely think that what Glass allows us to do, which is access information without pulling out a smartphone, is amazing, but glass itself, or and I mean, I when I say glass, I'm thinking about both glass as we know it now, and also glasses. I guess I, I, I don't know if I necessarily buy into that's what it's going to be. I, I think it's dehumanizing, and all the technology that we've had so far, be it laptops or smartphones or anything else, uh, allows us to still remain like ourselves. I mean, maybe I could be wrong, but I feel like it's just too distracting to both the person who's using it in terms of like kicking up their head every once in a while to like see in the corner and for people that are also talking to the user. Like if I'm talking to somebody that's wearing glass, all I'm thinking is, wow, this guy's wearing glass or this girl's wearing glass, you know? Right. And I think that's where where, where Google stands on that is that they want to use uh, – they see people looking down at their phones and they see it as a distraction to your everyday life where you're taking yourself out oh, of moments. Oh, it totally is. It totally is. It- they believe that basically by giving you your information uh, in a screen just above your eye, they'll be able to let you see status updates, things like that, basic information that you need and you want without taking you out of you know, uh, life or, or you know, out of the real world, as it were. Uh, whereas a cell phone, you have to look down uh, and kind of take yourself out of your situations that, you know, you're, uh, you're in, like, you know, uh, if you're enjoying, you know, day out or you're seeing a nice sunset, something along those lines, you, you have to stop and look at it through your smartphone display rather than looking at it with your own eyes. And with that, with, with glass or something along those lines, you can continue to look at it as you would, um, in, in real life, just using, you know, this little computer on the side of your head. So it's really interesting. The only thing that, 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 
um, I think is in the way is the fact that you have to, it's, it's essentially a pair of glasses. So, you know, if you don't have glasses or, you know, a lot of people wear contacts because they don't want to wear glasses, they don't want to have something on their face. You know, what do you do in that situation then? You know, um, I think the idea that it's, it's something you have to wear can be kind of a turnoff to a lot of people. Yeah, I, I, but I, the, the main issue that I have with Google Glass is that I feel like the, the concept of it is based on backwards looking rather than forwards looking. And what I mean by that is what we have right now to model future technology on is like our smartphone or tablets or laptops. And that means that they're a single device that can do everything. So, of course, we're moving into the wearable realm, what Google wants to do is create a product that's fi- uh, familiar to people, and that's going to be a, a pair of glasses that will serve you all the information that you need. And I, I, that's, I feel like we're trapped by that thinking. And I mean, if, if I set an alarm somewhere, do I really need to look at a screen in order to turn off that alarm? Or do I just need a little vibrating alert like, oh, the alarm is going off? And I feel like the future, instead of having like a, a pair of glasses that's going to show us everything, it's going to be like, dependent on what information you need. If you need directions, there's got to be a, a unique delivery system that's only for directions. And then if you need to look at a tweet, there's, there's going to be like a, a unique way to deliver that information. And I, I feel like Google Glass is the wrong answer because it's trying to do everything. It'll be interesting to see what Apple does because I, I think that whatever they do will be forward thinking. And so I think that it's going to be not a device that does everything. But at the same time, I don't know. And this is something I wanted to ask you about too, is because uh, about a month from now, we have WWDC, which is Apple's developers conference. And that's usually where they announce, uh, is that the, that's the new iPhone, right? They announced that. Uh, That's probably going to be iOS 8. iOS 8, excuse me. So iOS 8 and then the iPhone is in September. And so they, they announced a new operating system. And if Apple announces uh, a wearable, so to speak, that uses a unique operating system, I have no doubt that they're going to reveal that at WWDC. And the reason being is they're going to want to be able to train all those developers how to develop for that new system. They might not uh, actually release a product, but they're going to at least say what it is and get developers working on it. I mean, if you don't need developers, they're going to hold off, I believe. But it, it, it I don't know what they're going to do because I think it, it has to be like a simple product that just works and does its own unique thing. I don't think it's going to be attached to a cell phone or a smartphone or the iPhone. I think it's going to be a unique, brand new product category. But at the same time, I, I think it's going to need developers. I really don't know what they're going to do. Well, I think, I think the thing about Apple that makes them great is they, they take – they're not the first out with technology. They're, they wait until they've perfected it. And I think that's that's really the way that it should they they should or the, the the best way to operate basically. I mean, you're not you're not coming out with a technology that's you know oh look at this you know this is a G Wiz you know piece of tech and it's cool but you know okay so what else does you know why is it worth it? I think what what, what Apple does and they you know they did it with a tablet they did it with a smartphone they waited to see what others were doing and they kind of said okay this works this doesn't work this works this doesn't work we want to do it this way. Uh, and they, that's why they achieve such, you know, monumental success. I mean, if you look at how tablets were before the iPad, they weren't even close to the quality of what we have now. And the same thing with smartphones. I mean, you know, they, they basically made the smartphone what it is. I think because they're willing to wait and see what works and see what doesn't, uh, see if, you know, uh, the idea of glass, uh, something along those lines, like you said, is too much. Um, or, or if, you know, the, uh, Samsung gear is, you know, too, uh, out there, they'll they'll wait and they'll they'll do exactly what they think people will want to use. I think they're really good at gauging that. Yeah, and, and I think I'm I'm very interested to see what they're going to do because Android Wear and the Moto G, which is if anybody has seen that, it's the the watch that's the smartwatch that actually looks like a watch. It's round and it runs the the Google Now, Google Wear, Android Wear type operating system. I think. Google is on point here. And I I still use an iPhone as my main device, but 
uh, back when I was doing product reviews, of course, whatever phone I was reviewing, that was going to be my full-time phone. And I switched over and I used that. And the one thing I absolutely loved with Android phones was Google Now. It was intelligent. It delivered the information that you need. It was contextually aware. And I think that's the direction that the future is going. And the fact that Google is able to bring that to a wearable is is killer. And I think that it's I, I think Google Glass is going to be dying out and Google Wear is they're being like, okay, well this is actually what we want. I think I think you're totally correct. I mean I, I use uh, I have an Android phone at the S4 and I use Google now and I mean it just blows me away at how much, you know, it's able to pick up. I, I looked for pizza the other day uh, on my, my desktop computer. Uh, I was logged in, in in my Google account, looked up pizza, and then I, you know, two seconds later, I was looking at my phone, and I opened up Google Now, and it gave me walking directions to the pizza place. And you know, I was just like, "This that's is nuts. this is insane." Yeah, that's it's amazing. It's crazy. That's amazing. And you know, some people might say, "Okay, well, that's you know, that's kind of scary because now you know it knows or Google knows where you're going to be going." But you know what? I, I I want that. I want that convenience, and I don't think Google's going to use that to track me down, or you know, the government's going to try and take that information and get me. You know, I'm getting pizza. Um, well, the government is going to take that information, but you can either worry yeah. about that or not. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I can't. I can't do anything about that. Exactly. But it's it's you know I, I saw the 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 Moto three hundred and sixty, uh, uh, you know uh, when it was debuted. I, you know, uh, well, you know the videos of it. No one's really seen uh, hands on with it. Yeah. But if if it can actually function the way that uh, the videos show with just a straight up watch that's beautiful and uses Google now. I, I will absolutely fall in love because I think it's it's the first smartwatch that's actually pretty that people are going to want to use. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, other smartwatches are good looking. I think the Pebble Steel is really nice. Um, the uh, the Gear Fit is really really cool looking. Uh, it's very futuristic. But I think the the Moto X is, or I'm sorry, the Moto 360 is really what people want. It's it's like got almost a, a the, the feel of a Movado watch, but it's got you know all the technology in it that you really want. Mm-hmm. Well, well, here's you, you said your story about looking up the pizza place and then getting directions to it. And here's where I think that that is totally on point. Uh, and my vision of the future, and I'm, I'm thinking when I say future, I'm thinking five years, maybe 10, maybe, maybe a little bit longer. But uh, I think the best way to think about internet service and like your home internet service is, is going to be like having a landline. And what we're going to start doing is Pretty soon, after a while, instead of having a landline, everybody got smartphones, or and suddenly your your voice uh, minutes were tied to you wherever you were. And right now, data is like that a little bit. Like you have a data plan, but I, I feel like we're in the future. In the next five to ten years, we're not going to have a home internet system anymore. Or if you do, it's only because you want it super super fast. Um, but I, I think that our internet connectivity is going to be tied to us. So no matter where we are, if you pay a monthly fee, you're going to have internet. And not only that, whatever device you have will be able to connect to that. So if it's a, a watch that only does health monitoring, that, that's going to be able to connect to your internet connectivity, which is it's either 3G. It's not 3G or Wi-Fi. It's the future. It's one connection. And on top of that... It, all people want from technology is information. They don't care what device they're using. They don't care if it's their laptop or their smartphone. And if they look up directions for a pizza place, all they want is directions to the pizza place. And so it, the the technology is going to be smart enough to deliver us that information where it's most useful for us. And I, I think it's if you use uh, the iPhone and you also have a Mac computer, tying in the iMessage on both the phone and your computer and even your tablet too is kind of the the way to think about it because if you're texting somebody on your phone you can just pick up and resume the conversation on your computer and, and that's really how it should be you're having a conversation you're not having a text conversation or a chat conversation you're you're having a conversation you should be able to continue that wherever you are and i think that once we're able to cut the home internet cord and just be tied to our internet in the cloud, I guess you could say, that just we're going to have devices that just connect to us and, and give us the information that we need. I think, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's a great way to, you know, to look at it. I, I really, I think that people are, are confused by the way 
the, the the data plans and stuff are structured now. Oh, you know, they're, confu- have- they're confusing as hell. They're they're re- they're made so that people can't understand them. It's ridiculous. It really really bothers me. It's it, it's it's insane. I think the only company that's really trying to to make it less confusing is probably T-Mobile. Um, yeah, props they're, to they're T-Mobile, doing- but they need to do that to oh, survive yeah. because they're behind. If they didn't do that, they would just die. Right, and now now they're you know they're uh, Sprint's talking about buying them out, and I think Sprint still has a larger user base, but T-Mobile's growing its base a lot faster, and and Sprint's losing. And you know, like I, I went out, I did a a three G test. Uh, I'm sorry, a, a, an LTE test of. Uh, uh, Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, for a while, Verizon was really, really bad there. Um, they stepped their game up there. They actually have the fastest connectivity there. But T-Mobile, which was had a non-existent LTE network, um, is now number two in terms of speed. And we found that in, uh, in Manhattan, we found it in San Francisco. Um, we're going to test Chicago. But it's, it's interesting that, you know, T-Mobile went from this, this company that had nothing uh, to really just trying to change how People got plans and how plans worked to make them less confusing and easier to understand, and it got people's attention. I mean, now they're they're the company. You know, I, I believe that if they continue to grow their network the way they're doing, that they will be the company to beat. I mean, sure, uh, Verizon's got some great stuff right now. Uh, they're obviously uh, uh, the best in the country, but I genuinely believe that if they, if if T-Mobile continues to go at the pace that it's going, it will be the carrier to beat. And John Ledger is hilarious. He's a CEO. Oh my god, he's so much fun to watch. If he anybody here, stage. yeah, if anybody here has not seen him give a, a keynote presentation or whatever he does, you need to go look this up. I'll try to find one to put it in the show notes for you guys. But it is amazing. He he just curses like a, a crazy man. He doesn't care what anyone thinks. He uh, it's he, the cursing. He, he just yeah he, he his mouth just goes off. It, it's amazing. He, and, and he, you know, he's, he's right. I mean, and he definitely does troll AT&T. He hates AT&T. Uh, I think he used to, uh, he had, he had a position there at one point. Um, it, it was a higher up position. Um, but he, you know, he, he left obviously, uh, uh, after, uh, years and he's, he hasn't, uh, been there for a, quite a while. And, you know, now he basically has just made it his mission to try to destroy AT&T. And, uh, you know, he's kind of, doing a good job of it. I mean, AT&T still has a, a large LTE network. Um, but you know, the pricing structure that, that T-Mobile has is, is really, really good. I, I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I would definitely switch to T-Mobile as soon as I can no longer take advantage of AT&T. Cause right now I'm on AT&T, but two years ago I gave them a call and I was like, Hey, AT&T, I'm going to cancel. And they were like, no, no, don't cancel. And then I was like, yes. And they were like, okay, well, we'll give you discounts. And I'm like, well, how many discounts? They're like a lot of discounts. So instead of paying after taxes or whatever, instead of just for my single line, $110 a month, which is what it usually is, they dropped me down to 79 after taxes. So all I pay is 79 and I'm, I'm grandfathered into the unlimited data, which is fantastic. And, and I have as much minutes or anything else that I need and it's great. And then when my contact was up for renewal, I just got the, the 5S. So when that came out, I, I called them and I was like, Hey, I just wanted to make sure that I'm not going to lose this rate that I'm currently getting. And then the woman on the phone was like, no, you're definitely going to be still getting that rate even when you get the new phone. And I was like, awesome. And then I upgraded and then I no longer got that rate. And so I called them up and I was like, Hey, I was supposed to get this discounted rate. What happened? And it turns out that the woman made a mistake and I wasn't supposed to be paying, like I was supposed to be back up to whatever full price it is. But because the other one told me that it was less. She's like, okay, well, I'm going to lower this for you. And I was like, yay. So as yeah. long as I can still kind of pull that off and give them a call and be like, hey, am I going to have this and get a yes, then I, I'm good. And I'm going to stick with it just because I don't want to kind of rattle it when, when it's so fragile. But it's, I, you I know, want T-Mobile. It, they, they really are. They, they, I, I really do think they're great. I, I think, you know, right, I'm on Verizon right now. Um, the only reason is because, you know, I, I'm in Jersey and, uh, besides AT&T, you know, Verizon, uh, is the only other one, uh, that has LTE out here. Um, T-Mobile's built it up a lot that they're, they're, they're building up their network out here very well. Uh, Sprint is, is, you know, a lot further behind. Unfortunately, I don't think they're, uh, that we're going to see any real LTE 
from them in this area for, I can't for quite Sprint a while. Sprint is still around. I you you I, they say that Sprint has a larger user base than T-Mobile, but you never hear anything about Sprint. They can only use certain phones. They can't like use the regular phones, and they have terrible service everywhere. I don't know why anybody is still on Sprint. It's it's interesting. I I uh, I had spoken with them a while ago. Um, they're trying to build out their their um, LTE network, their 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 Spark network, and when you connect to Spark, um, which is their their high end LTE, basically um, their second generation, it's it's really fast. I, I saw some speeds as high as uh, fifty megabits per second down, which is great. That's home internet, you know, wired connection. Um, but the the problem is, you know, even when I was my t- I'm fifteen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 crazy. The the problem though is when. When you want to get that connection, it's not there. You know, I, I couldn't find it anywhere except for very specific locations. Um, and it's not that they're, they haven't launched yet. In, and it's never in your apartment, is it? <laughs> no, exactly, yeah. It's, it, it's, it's that, you know, they, they, they say that Manhattan is, was a launch city. They say that it's, it's launched, but there's not enough um, uh, cell sites for them to actually give you anything worthwhile. So you're you're really not getting good connectivity from them right now. When I did my testing, the majority of the time I was on 3G. And, you know, I mean, it's you know 2014 for us to be on you know paying for a phone. I mean, all these phones are built for LTE. For us to get a phone that does not connect to LTE is on 3G most of the time in Manhattan is insane. Um, I seem to remember I, a couple of. Like when I was working at Laptop a couple of years ago, I forget which network we were testing, but I think that like they sent you instructions how to test LTE and they gave you like a series of five different street corners to go stand on. Like there was a specific, they're like, yeah, we have 4G in Manhattan. Just stand on these five street corners, which is ridiculous. And that's, that's what, uh, what, what we had to do for Sprint. And, and they, they had, um, uh, to test their their Spark network, they made us go to these five different locations, and I think that was that was probably Verizon at the time because Verizon was uh, dealing with a huge glut of of new customers with LTE connections, and their LTE network basically just hit a wall. There there was not enough bandwidth for all the people that were on it, so they they uh, suffered for a while with you know really terrible speeds, and you know we we criticized them for it rightfully so, but then they decided to launch their uh, LTE AWS network, which is uh, an, an additional band for LTE connectivity. And what that really means is that you're just going to get a much better connection. Now there's more bandwidth, there's more pipe space for people to use. And it's, it's, you know, it's crazy to see the difference between the two, but that's, you know, that, that's kind of the thing that the companies want you to do is they, they want you to go to these locations to get a good idea of what their, their networks are capable of, but you know, we'll do that. But at the same time, we also want to get real world testing. So we still go out, you know, where, you know, where we are and we go, okay, well, we can get really good speeds at this place, but in reality, we're not getting good speeds because the connection isn't good. Um, and that's basically what we're getting with Sprint right now, unfortunately. Yeah, that sucks. So I, w- I want to change gears a little bit and get your thoughts on, of all topics, social networking. And that's kind of a boring topic, but I- I'm kind of doing all-encompassing. Have you played with the new Snapchat yet? Because I'm-, I'm putting Snapchat in the social networking category. Oh, it totally is. I, I haven't gotten to play the, with the with the video capabilities, but um, I, I know a bunch of people that, that are j- just dedicated Snapchat people. Yeah, I mean, this is, it's insane to me. And I, I, when the first one came out, I remember reading a story. I think uh, who picked it up? It was like BuzzFeed or Business Insider or somebody like that, where it was a teacher who was saying that in her 17 years of teaching, she's never seen anything that could distract students this much. Like she's like, I don't know what's in the new Snapchat update, but I think it is crack cocaine. And <laughs> Because, like, she usually, during her uh, quiet period, a private period, quiet study period, is she usually lets her kids go on their phones. And uh, so, like, half the students got it, and every, the other half were waiting, because um, I think it came out to Android before it dropped on iOS. And uh, But during that period, everybody got it, and she just could not get the attention back after it was over. And she was saying, that, like, one girl, like, even took her phone and, like, sat under her desk. And she had to, like, go over and pull this girl out from under her desk, and she ended up, like, taking everybody's phone away. Uh, it, just crazy stuff. It's it's wild to think that you know how social media is kind of evolving. We went from, uh, unfortunately, we went from MySpace to you know uh, Facebook and uh, uh, you say Twitter unfortunately where, you want to be back there. No, unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately we left MySpace. Let's bring it back. 
Dear God, no. But like the, the thing is, you know, we we left these 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 networks that were basically, you know, all all information about us. It was all of our information. We put our friends on there. We put our our what we liked on there. Our favorite TV shows, and we still do that with with Twitter to a degree because we you know follow our favorite shows or whatnot. And with Facebook, we we like our favorite shows and things. Uh, we tell where we're from, who our friends are, who our relatives are. Uh, you know, we we list our you know. Uh, different likes, whatnot. What I'm saying is basically we give all of our information and now we're going to these things like Snapchat where it's completely uh, disposable. It's just a single message, but it could be now a video and we just kind of, you know, we're friends with people and we send a message and then it deletes. Or, you know, we, we have something like Secret. Secret's a social network, but it's completely secret. There's, you know, hence the name. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're going from this, yeah. this, yeah, we're, we're, we're going from this, uh, um, kind of spill your beans, everything about you uh, kind of social network to a very uh, clamped down, uh, you know, uh, just completely anonymous network. And it's really, really cool to watch the evolution of, of you know, the, the, the social network space, really. I mean, you know, I, I hate to sound like that guy, but it's, it's, it's just like to, to see how we went from, oh, my God, I want everyone to know all about me, too. I don't really want everyone to know all about me. And I don't think it has anything to do with people being afraid of, you know, overshare because we're going to do that anyway. You know, we're, we're photographing ourselves and sharing photos all the time on Instagram, you know, of us, the food that we eat or, you know, like our, what's on our dinner plate. But I think, you know, it's just cool to, to see that we're going from something like, you know, Facebook. That's all of our info you know, all of our, our photos, all of the, like the different trips that we've taken to something like, you know, uh, Snapchat, which is anything but, and then secret, which is the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the thing that's interesting to me in terms of Snapchat is especially when it first came out and you'll, you'll still hear some people saying it is that, well, Snapchat is just for nudes. Why would anybody use it if they're not like sexting with somebody? But that's really right. not the case. And it's not like everybody that uses Snapchat is sending nudes. I, I, it's, it's for disposable information. Like if I'm standing in the grocery store and I see a funny headline that I'm like, huh, that's funny. And I want to like share it with a couple of people. Why would I need to like take a picture of that, save it in my library, send that as a text message where they have it saved too? It, it's just the, inappropriate it's an inappropriate way to send that message that it's just it's a fleeting moment and you need to share it like a fleeting moment and it's interesting especially like secret because the way that secret works if anybody here hasn't it uh hasn't actually used it what it does is it uses your phone to find all of your contacts but it does so anonymously so in secret when you're looking at your feed everybody that you're looking at is either your friends or your friends of friends, but you don't know who is who. And there's even like ways to comment on it and you can follow who's saying what without actually knowing the identity of that person. And they're, they're just, it, it's different ways to kind of communicate. Like secret is like being in a big room with all your friends and it's dark and everybody's talking about each other or about things. Like it, it is such a unique, uh, like aspects of, like humanity and a personality that we're able to kind of develop using these things. And it, it, I think the people that think about Snapchat or secret or any of these other sites as they would like AOL instant messenger or text messaging is completely missing the point. Right. It's, it's, it's something where, you know, you're like you said, I think you, you, you put it perfectly that it's supposed to just be like a fleeting moment. You're, you know, you're, you're sending this stuff out, at least with Snapchat, you just want people to get something really quick. You know, if if it's a silly picture, if it's a silly picture, um, you know, a a stupid video or just like a a quick message, you know, that you don't want to have to, you know, keep on your phone, keeping up, you know, taking up, you know, space or, you know, you just don't need it to. Now, I think, I think something like, like, uh, uh, Snapchat is really great for that. And, and secrets just, you know, absolutely insane. You, the, the different things that you see, I mean, you really get a, a look into humanity because people know that it's anonymous. They're going to tell you their deepest, darkest things. Um, I think there was a uh, secret posts on like, you know, things that teachers think while they're in class. And, you know, like a lot of them were just like, I really wish I could just go home right now. Or, you know, I really, you know, my students are awful. It, it's just, you know, you really get to see what people are actually thinking without, um, I, you know, kind of the, the, the glossed over, uh, you know, uh, 
fake look that people have of, uh, of Facebook. They try to make themselves look, you know, super important or that everything's, you know, incredible in their lives. Well, with secret, it's, you know, you're getting real people's information, mm-hmm. you know, like what real people think it's, I think that's so, so cool. And, it, you know, it, it kind of does go back to, um, the, uh, the wearables in a way in that, you know, you have, uh, people wanting to, to experience real life, you know, uh, as, as, you know, as Google, Google wants, you know, it to be understood. Um, they, people want to experience real life and, you know, with social media, you weren't getting that up until now. Now you're actually getting to experience what is, you know, what is real, you know, like actual real life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm so glad that technology is starting to advance that. I think it will continue to advance that direction too. uh, As long as people are thinking about the right things, like if they're just thinking about, Oh, we need to wear glasses. I I don't think it's going to happen, but I, I think that, if people have the right focus on what people actually want to do and, and technology companies such as Snapchat continue to succeed, we'll be, we'll be heading in a good direction. I think, I think you're right. I mean, I, I, I don't know where social media is going. Um, I, 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 you know, right now it's in the phase where, like I said, you know, we're going to the, the whole anonymous, uh, kind of sharing. Um, I don't think that that sharing along the lines of, uh, uh, Facebook or, or Twitter is totally done. I still think that, you know, a lot of people are proclaiming the death of Facebook or Facebook dying. I still think that it's a very, you know, important social media site. I use it just, you know, I mean, I use it for, for parties basically, you know, or get togethers. That's how I, you know, my, that's my social calendar right there. Um, Twitter is just basically my newsfeed. I just get tons of news on there and that's, that's what I want to use it for. I think they're all developing their own purpose. Um, there's a possibility that we might be able to see something that, um, combines all that better. I mean, I know Facebook has obviously a newsfeed, but, um, it doesn't really get you all the information that you want. Um, they're, they're bigger on pictures now and things like that. And Twitter is just basically giving you, you know, all you need right now. Uh, but there's, there's no in-depth looks at it. You have to go into a different site, which is kind of uh, obnoxious. Um, and with, with, you know, something like secret, you want to get, uh, a realistic look at what people are actually thinking. And I think, uh, eventually we might, find a happy medium between all all three of those kind of ways that these networks are being used. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. All right, so I think we're winding up. It's We're getting to the end of the time that we have. I kind of wanted to end on uh, a pretty basic question, and that was to ask you, what's your favorite app right now? What are you using? Uh, you know, I that, that's actually a crazy question. I just did a... Um, uh, a story on best uh, apps that you can't find on Android and then best apps you can't find on iOS. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Android has a, a, a – iOS is where you're going to find all the great apps first, right? I mean, people naturally are going to launch their apps first on on iOS. Because that's where the money um, is. Right, exactly. There's there's more there's more downloads on um, Android, but I, I, I think the, the, the money is still larger on, uh, on iOS. And you, you probably, uh, I think, uh, uh, the reason being is because obviously, you know, iOS and, and the app store were the first, uh, of their kind. Um, but in, in terms of my favorite apps, I, I downloaded a game, uh, I think it was Leo's fortune. Uh, and, uh, um, that was on iOS. There was a second game. I can't remember, but Leo's fortune is absolutely amazing. It's this really cool game, uh, where you basically, uh, it's a platformer. You roll around like this little fuzzball and you inflate, or you deflate to kind of get yourself around levels, and the 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 animations are just beautiful. Um, in in terms of uh, Android, this one is actually really really cool. I use a, a Link Bubble, and what that is is it basically lets you uh, click a link in your social media streams, so like you're on Facebook. You know, you click a link, and then it takes you to uh, whatever your web browser is on on your mobile, um, and then you have to wait for it to load. You know, you could be doing other things in the meantime with uh, uh, link bubble, you, uh, can click a link and it will give you like, kind of like a Facebook chat head kind of, uh, uh, bubble. Uh, and in that is where your web page is loading. So you can continue to peruse your, your feed, uh, and have this little, uh, link bubble loading until the website loaded, is loaded. You can jump in. Exactly. And you can load as many as you want. Um, and then you can close them individually. It's a really, really great app. That's really um, smart. Wow. I didn't even yeah. think of that. I, I I saw it because I was just doing research for the story, and I absolutely love it. I think it's so much fun. It's easy to use. Uh, the free version, you can only open up one link, which is kind of lame. Uh, you have to pay the uh, $4.99 to get the unlimited. 
but it's so, so worth it. There's no way I would not get it. It's, it's, you know, I, like I said, I, I only heard about it because I was doing research for the story. And now that I've found it, I, I absolutely love it. It's, it's absolutely great. Yeah. And I'm going to be blunt here and say that if anybody doesn't like spend money on apps, you are dumb because you're missing out on some really, really good stuff. It's always strange to me when people are like, yeah, I don't spend any money on apps. I'm like, do you, do you even know what is out there for you that you're missing out on because of this? It's, it's absolutely amazing. Actually, I downloaded dark sky because I know you used it. And yeah, I love dark sky. It's so, so fun. It's just this, it's a, a weather app and you would think like, okay, well, why do I need, you know, uh, to pay for a weather app, but this is done so well and it's so beautiful. I, I absolutely love it. I, you know, I, I was using Yahoo weather, um, which I also think is a really good app, but I've, I've switched over to dark sky. I think that's, you know, the one that I'm using from now on just cause it's, it's just very, very pretty. And, you know, you have these, these devices you carry with you. You don't want to have a very, you know, you don't want to have a lame interface or, you know, a lame, uh, uh, display, you know, or anything like that. You want something that's pretty and, you know, good and functional. And that's exactly what dark sky is. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. Especially if you're using it all the time. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I use it every day before I, I go out the door, I check it, you know, all right, do I need a jacket? Do I need my umbrella? What do I need today? You know? And I use it, uh, to check the weekend to see if it's going to be nice. And then when it's not nice, I get upset because, you know, it's the weekend, but you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's really cool. I, I, I really do love it a lot. Awesome. Well, Dan, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me this evening. And I think this has been a, a really interesting conversation. I got a lot of stuff to think about myself. I, I really appreciate it. You know, anytime you need me on, let me know. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Hey, no problem. Great episode. I love Dan. And if you are still listening, congratulations. You know about a super secret giveaway. I've noticed recently that the reviews and ratings for my podcast and iTunes have kind of plateaued. So I want to do a giveaway. If you leave me a rating and a review and take a screenshot of it, any rating, it could be one star, it could be five, but I hope it's five. I will give you a free copy of Workburst, which is my productivity app for the Mac. And that is yours free. All you have to do, leave me a rating and review in iTunes and let me know. And that is yours. And until next week, have a good one.